later. Welcome to the Bad Pipes Podcast. I am your host. He's Scott. He forgot his name. He's sick right now. He's a little sicko. He's a sick little guy. My name He's is Thomas Wake. My name is Thomas Wake. And with Did me you? today is my ho my, my co-host, Ephraim Winslow. Your ho-host. More like my ho- it. My ho-host. Actually, the script just calls me Young Tom. Young Tom. Yeah. I'm your Hest host. What was other Tom's name? It was Thomas Wake and Thomas... Tommy? I'm not sure. These are references to The Lighthouse for anyone yeah. whose first time listening to this podcast is right now. We also have, um, um, for the second time in a row, our guest host, Matt Miller. Or ghost. Or hey, the mermaid. I he's will the, be ghosting halfway through. <laughs> or less. But yes, I am a mermaid. I sing songs of grandeur and lust. And lure many a folk into my warm waters. Most girl, hey, I've ever heard. Hey, hey, hey. All right, hey. news. Let's do it. What's the news? Take it out of me, baby. Um, let's do the news last because Matt's only going to be here for like oh, twenty shit. minutes. You know what? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, also, he doesn't have anything interesting to say about the news because he's a he lives I'm his a- life in. I'm a newsless boy. Oh, and you know what? This this has time. This this gives us time to get some more breaking news or think of other news segments because we really only have two. Yeah. So well, three, but yeah, two. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. right. So for this week, we watched uh, 2016's The Void, uh, 1987's Hellraiser, and 2019's The Lighthouse. the The general theme for this week was like a, a Lovecraftian sort of horror. More uh, horror sort of thing, I guess. Maybe cosmic, yeah. yeah. Lovecraftian, yeah. So like shit, uh, shit you don't understand. Like a descent into madness kind of thing, except for Hellraiser, which is just like otherworldly entities. Yeah, yeah. You know, I already thought of another good segment for us to do for news. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, is I'm it writing kissing it down right girls now. and eating squirrels? Life in Kentucky. No, no, no. Oh. It's about a it's about a, a an epidemic hitting our youth. Oh boy. <laughs> you talking about but, ADM? No. You talking about that ADM? No. Uh it's something totally different. Uh I'll save it for the end. But uh I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube today about it, so oh, it'll God. be good to cover. Well, write it down. Let's I, I got it I got it written down. I got it written down. Alright, so the void. Uh the this void. was the second time I've watched this movie. Uh, whenever I first watched it, it really impressed me because I knew nothing about it and for it to be like a horror movie that came out and I knew nothing about, um, and I mean, I'm just going to break the keg open with this. The special, the effects in this, they're all physical for the most part. Yep. They're all like real and they look good. They look really yeah, good. Yeah, I was gonna say the practical effects of this were really good. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoyed this movie. It, it, it honestly baffles me. I so I pulled it up on Rotten Tomatoes like I do all three of the movies we normally watch whenever we, whenever we do this. Um, so it, it baffles me that it has a seventy-eight from critics and a forty-eight percent from audience. Like the audience score is lower than the critic score, which I, for some reason blows my mind. I, I think, I think I, I. 
can speak on that. What, I think what do you it's. Think, Matt? I don't know. I think this is just like such an old version of movie making, like that low budget, high budget oh, feel. Yeah. No, let's mention that real quick. The budget on this movie was eighty two thousand uh, dollars. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Box office yeah. three hundred seventy seven thousand. So, made money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to like, just a quick run through of the plot. Uh, this is how Google describes it. Cloaked cult-like figures trap a police officer played by Aaron Poole, patients and staffers inside a hospital that is a gateway to evil. Um, yeah, th- I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I liked how it started out because it really kind of, I didn't know what direction it was going in because you start out with just these people running from a house being chased by two dudes who are like shooting at them. They they shoot the one of them, they shoot a, a woman and then uh, douse her in gasoline and set her on fire. And it's like, where, where's this going? So... I liked yeah. I liked the start there because it really kind of left you wondering like what direction is this going to go in because yeah, you need to plus uh, as a as an empire enjoyer I like burning the witches <laughs> yes um no yeah because yeah they just basically were just like yep he's not going to get far and then next thing you know our our hero cop is finding this this dude fleeing on the ground crawling next to the wood line and. Just picks him up and takes oh, yeah. him to the hospital. That That's kid, where... the junkie. I don't know if anyone uh, else here has watched it, but he's the he's one of the skids from. Um... Oh God, Shelby, what's that Canadian comedy you like? Le- Letterkenny. 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 Oh, Letterkenny. Yeah, he plays one of the skids in Letterkenny. Oh, oh my God! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah so you got I, like I, Stuart, I... who's like main skid, and then his like right hand man, the. They always allude to them uh, being in love with each other. Yeah, I, I was struck. I haven't watched that much of Letterkenny, so me, me either. But I, I do, I do dabble in episode from time to time. The first oh. couple seasons are pretty good. After that, I got tired of it. But show me the whole thing. So, huh. um, I can't get over the fact that our lead character looks like a fucking save a lot version of Aaron Paul and his name is Aaron Poole. Aaron Poole. Yeah. Like it couldn't get more just like layered in the fact it, that it's it's a parody. It's, it's this just is 100% a parody reality. <laughs> no, like <laughs> that's his legit fucking name. Like oh, he, he knew he dude the He Aaron looks like Poole Aaron looks... Paul. <laughs> you know what? His picture on Rotten Tomatoes kind of does look like Aaron Paul, but in the actual movie I don't know if it was the fact that he was a cop or what. For some reason, I kept getting Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. No, I was getting Aaron, especially when he was screaming at those two, those two dudes in the beginning of the, the uh, film. Yeah. He's just yelling at them. He's cursing at them a lot, and I'm like, this dude's really channeling Jesse Pinkman right now. He's like really trying to feel yeah. like upset and emotional. Yeah. Um. I couldn't get over that fact once I saw it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it really takes a turn. I mean, he hits the hospital, and then the first the first thing is, like, uh, 
the one nurse just gouges the dudes. Well, no, I mean, before that happens, the cloaked figures, the That's cultists fair, yeah. in the, the white white garb with just like a black triangle on the face show up. Start like stabbing people. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then they go inside. Well, no, I think um, I think she does. She does turn. Well, she stabs the one dude and kills him first. That's why the the hooded or the cloaked figures show up because uh, our home our hero cop guy goes out to call it in and then he gets stabbed in the back. Well, or no, yeah. he gets stabbed in the front yeah, while he's out right, there. That's right. But yeah, she 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 goes like insane, but then we don't get like her turning. I think until after that because that's when the other cop gets like dragged uh, away or, or murdered like, uh, what was it like a pair of scissors in the dude's eye yeah and she's like she's like cut her face off she's like this isn't my face yeah. or something she's pulling um, of her face off yeah and you're kind of like you're like what the fuck is happening in, what did she say she's like i'm not in control can you help me yeah that um, was that part was like i was like oh okay yeah he, he shoots um, her and then yeah he goes he goes on. yeah he, he shoots her like the other some... cop shows up some of those shots in there too are like really good. Like uh, the one yeah. from behind her looking towards the door where he is, and like it's a close up basically on her pulling the scissors out of the dead kid's eye. Yeah, that's that a really well, cool well shot. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get. We're going down the line, right? That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, th- shit like really hits the fan. I feel like once like he gets stabbed by this like cultist, you're like, okay, these this fucking these crazy fucking hooded figures are surrounding the hospital but then he goes back in it's like yeah they shit really hits the fan when you see her like the nurse like completely transformed and yeah. you're like well, what the fuck big well, tinkly he... monster yeah. yeah 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 that part was fucked and got the the state trooper who's being an asshole and the fucking tentacles just like infinitely <laughs> going into his face was such such an awesome visual yeah no they they do good with like the uh again the, this kind of like lovecraftian horror where it's like it's something you're like you're like i can't even make out what this is like I can, my brain cannot comprehend like what part of this is what yeah. all i know is this dude is getting invaded by tentacles <laughs> Probably through every orifice of his body. They're just going in and, and looping through him. I will say, and I understand the reason for it, the stro- initial strobing effect was a little bit much for me, but I understand why you would do that well, as yeah. a filmmaker, especially with such a budget of $82,000. Yeah, like. I- I was going to say you've got to create that you've got to create that like yeah and you're, you're talking about comprehension barrier you yeah know? you're talking about when the when the the duo the duo who were from the beginning they come in there and they're like yeah, they're, be- they're, the, be- they're beating they're beating the shit out of her I I remember looking at that and I was yeah. like damn yeah this strobing effect's a little much but like it's really good effect at a low cost because it is like okay you you have lost power this is like a, a you know decaying decrepit part of the hospital and so like it yeah. makes sense that these lights would just be like flickering incessantly like and that I, yeah and it's like i can't tell how good these effects are if they're not good at all because the strobing is just like resetting my visual constantly and and i think that was like i think it was smart it just felt yeah it felt too much but 
again yeah practical effects with that much of a budget i get it it makes yeah. sense to me and there were a lot of instances of that in the film as well with like strobing and and shake effects like that yeah yeah but you gotta do what you gotta do baby no um no i mean it it kind of ramps up pretty quick i feel like when we get like the kind of standoff the doctor gets stabbed i really feel like the next part where we're like we're like oh shit is when um our guy aaron pool whatever his what is his character's name it's like daniel daniel Daniel, Daniel. i I, I, I almost said Derek. Yeah, Daniel. When Daniel, Daniel Carter, so some people call him Carter and some people call him Daniel. Yeah, like his yeah. wife calls him Daniel. A lot yeah. of the other people call him Carter. So yeah, when Daniel gets it, hears the phone ringing from the morgue and answers it, and it's the fucking doctor who just got stabbed in the neck and bled out, and yeah. it's kind of like what? And I didn't really know what to think. I, at first, I was like, okay, maybe he's imagining this. It's something playing with his mind, it's another entity. But um, it's yeah, pretty especially... quickly. Especially since, like, in the since he had gotten stabbed, they were playing up like these hallucination flashes or, or whatever, mm-hmm. like, to make you think that. Oh, I almost thought he like died and went back, went back like when he woke up after they sutured his bleeding stab wound. Yeah, but yeah. They had they also had a bunch of, of things like that where it was kind of leading up to. There's. There's something yeah. not right. No, and I mean, going I, down I could see the argument. I could see the argument for people being like, okay, there wasn't like there was no build up or like there was no like hinting or like foreshadowing or suspense into like this like big reveal. But I was like, I kind of liked it that way. It was kind of just like, oh shit, the doctor's just like this evil dude who's been like fucking experimenting. Yeah, and now you also and, like, with his character being that sort of character, you have a like a backdrop like evil thing to work towards right Mm -hmm. so you have the cultists who are one faction of the the bad guys then you also have the monstrosities or the abominations that come out of the different people yeah um and against like the two of those very physical threats you have this like uh sort of um i don't know would effervescent be the right word but this like uh like, airy uh, not um, quite their threat yeah um in the ephemeral background. like ephemeral is that what we're thinking of maybe yeah i, I know ominous, you're talking about just like a looming ominous yeah uh, figure it's like to work it, towards i, I think yeah. it's i think it's very clear this doctor's fucking with powers beyond really beyond his control um yeah something that he doesn't fully understand as well as like our our, our heroes definitely do not understand yeah I say heroes. No one's really. I think only Daniel is. Well, not no. uh, the kid. The kid. Uh, What's the kid's the name? Kid and uh, just the kid. I don't know if he had. Did he have a name? Did he have a name? Yeah, That's I don't know. I don't remember. Simon, having... maybe. Simon. Is it Simon? Yeah, I think yeah, it is Simon. Simon. Uh yep. According to Wikipedia, it's. The son slash Simon. Simon, yeah. So yeah, Simon. So actually, yeah, I will say Simon and uh, uh, is it Vincent are like the two. Besides our our cop, they're like it's it's really the three of them who are like handling shit. Yeah. 
they are like the three protagonists here. They're the ones pushing things forward because it's uh, yeah. It's revealed over time that Vincent and uh, I guess his wife and his baby, right? They, yeah. His wife and child died. Mm-hmm. I forget what the circumstances of that were, though. I from from what I was trying to understand is it seemed like the cultists and everything like murdered his wife and child with the the one like junkie guy there as well as Simon and like it was just it's basically I I was trying to like piece it together and I felt like okay Simon was like at the house and like that was their farmhouse or something and this junkie this the, the junkie guy and this girl show up where the cultists are and they like basically they had already murdered his wife and child while Simon was there and Simon didn't save them, which is why like Vincent's freaking out when he's having those visions or whatever and yelling at Simon like you didn't like you didn't save them, you didn't protect them. That's what I thought. Um, I couldn't I couldn't fully I was I trying know. to piece it I together. I think that was kind of him misdirecting his anger at himself onto Simon, right? Like uh, projecting fair. it. I could, yeah, uh, he that blames could be. himself for his family's death. Mm-hmm. Um mm. That, that's that was my read of those scenes though um yeah i couldn't i, I was trying to piece something together I, maybe it's just going to be left as like one of those vague things that we don't really ever get to understand and i think that's fine like yeah. because they aren't the main characters the main character is daniel and you do get to see for sure. like, his stuff yeah his yeah. Out. yeah his end well yeah and it's it, I, don't, I don't feel like it's super like we know something happened to them in regards to this this whole plot like i don't we know that we know they're dead. Like we don't need. I think feel like more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. But yeah. Um, but yeah. No. So we. I, I, it slowly devolves into like again. Basically, they enter hell as they make their way down into like that sub basement area. Yeah. Um, it quickly, and I, I'm pretty sure one of them says that. One of them is like, "We're in hell." Yeah, we're in hell, and I was like, "Oh, you really." Really, we're keeping it vague there in the script, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it does feel like that. I mean, especially like the, like the lighting, all these experimented people, creatures yeah. just rising some up. Good jobs with a lot of those. Like the one with the hole through the face that's just slamming his slamming its head. Yeah, well, that one is sick. It's it's, it's pretty clear because it's I'm, like little I'm, gooey saliva. Yeah, and I believe the doctor says he's like they don't want to be alive. Like whatever he does to these people, like it, they they want to die. So like I took it as like this is someone who is in complete agony and just wants to die, but obviously can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, I mean, there's that, that like otherworldly. Um, it's like a. I don't know, trope, a facet of a lot of this, like, Lovecraftian stuff, like we've talked Mm -hmm. about before, is that, like, that aspect of um, the things that aren't destroyed by it are, like, fundamentally changed by it. Um, Yeah. You... I'm thinking of that, like, the traitor meme, where it's, like, T-R-A... D-E-R mean where it's like mm-hmm. you get immortality you receive uh, a, a shitty body that like falls apart and yeah yeah <laughs> you continue to suffer <laughs> yeah uh, um, it, 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 that's exactly what it feels like yeah um yeah no it, I mean 
the 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 trio of our heroes i mean we we you know we have daniel who's seeking out um allison who has been yeah so they get like split up at that point right and then he goes off mm-hmm. and finds his wife uh has a little memory with her before the doctor dr ben uh calls him up again and is like I uh, fixed your wife, and I'm going to make her uh, give birth, the rebirth of my child, yeah. my daughter, who I lost. Yeah. And she, me losing her is why I underdid this whole process. So you get those character foils of the doctor and Daniel at that point, because there you have like fully realized that uh, uh, Officer Carter... Uh, and mm-hmm. his wife, they had a miscarriage, and then they have that like really interesting line, like, "I saw that you were relieved when she had the miscarriage," um, which kind of speaks to the other relationships in the movie, right? Because mm-hmm. we've already seen that Carter doesn't live up to the kind of person that his father was. Yeah. Uh, everyone seems to have a yeah. really good opinion of his dad, who was also a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the sort of adoptive father-son relationship between Vincent and Simon mm-hmm. um, with them like yeah. looking out for each other and protecting each other. <clears throat> and then you have uh, Carter who didn't want his son and yeah, that aspect, that event in his life like permanently affecting his relationship with his wife yeah. uh there's even that line that i really enjoyed what was it uh vincent says something and he's like it's <laughs> god what is he? he's like it's my exclusive privilege to hate my fucking wife right now or something like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know um, I don't know where I was going with that side tangent, but uh, that like destroyed relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, him not wanting the son he could have had, the doctor uh, wanting the son or the, the daughter that he no longer has. Uh, it's interesting character foils. Yeah. Um, a father that would literally do anything to get his child back, and a father who is relieved to not have their child. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And the one, the first one sounds like the good guy, but he's the villain of the film. And the second guy sounds like a villain, but is the yeah, protagonist the of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah. I mean, let me just say the real hero was Vincent. He gave his life for Simon. Yeah. I mean, Simon's the only one that gets out alive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and the other people who didn't go down into hell but of the three who yeah. companions <laughs> uh i mean daniel daniel and allison it showed them in in, uh, in elsewhere the yeah you know the they're, void, they're fine they're, they're gonna be fine they'll they're build a house in the void staring they got each other chaos there. dude yeah speaking of which that is how it culminates is uh, dr powell does his whole his monologue speaking uh yeah basically at the end his monologues are probably the best thing 
yeah. as far as dialogue in this movie. Well, Probably and I will say again, moments. along with the practical effects, I think his his design, his oh, no, costuming no, looked saying, amazing. Like, just about the dialogue or like uh, character lines, his he he gets the best speeches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carter's pretty okay. good. I mean, he's got a nice voice. Yeah, he does. I mean, that's yeah. probably why he got the the part. He's making yeah. bank in that $82,000 budget, you know? Yeah. He also uh, had the best character design at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so with his, with like the costume and everything, with the, yeah. those practical effects. His nasty oh, yeah. fires. And he's got the like ceremonial, like robe skirt kind of thing on. Yeah. Well, he and looks uh, like a dark priest, which is really nice to see in these kinds of movies, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. He looked, he looked good. And yeah, uh, Daniel tackles him through the portal and into the void, and yeah. Huh? Yeah. I liked it. I thought I thought this was a great movie. Yeah, I I liked it when I first watched it. Um, watching it this time, I did kind of think uh, they could have paced this a little better, but mm-hmm. I think they wanted to let you linger on things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Matt, what were you saying? I I was I was gonna agree. Like the pacing of it was kind of. I don't know. Yeah, a little slow, especially them finally getting down into the basement and ex- mm-hmm. or hell and exploring hell. I feel like that section took forever. And I think. I don't know. There was a lot of awesome practical effects, of course, in that, that section, but I just feel like plot wise. That was a very slow part where they <laughs> I don't know. They could have dived a little deeper into other aspects, but it's kind of like uh, if Sam Raimi from Army of Darkness had directed this movie, it wouldn't have been an hour 30. It would have been like an hour 15 or an hour 20. And it would have just like punched a little harder, you know, like that's that's it, you know, Uh, because the movie is only an hour 30. I don't think like it's not the longest hour 30 of your life. By any no, means. no, yeah. no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just think the biggest drawback of the movie is a, it's pacing, and b, some of the the like you guys were talking about, like the cinematography and certain lighting aspects during the action scenes. That's it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that most of the character work is pretty good. I think that the dialogue, for the most part, is pretty good. There isn't a character that I feel like I just outright hated, which often happens in these like lower low budget kind of movies. Um so yeah. And know. it's got really good effects. I'm not saying I hated Carter as a character. I just found him to just like He's have a bit like dry. Yeah, and have just like he'd go from zero to a hundred, like from one scene to the next. Yeah. Like in his anger and and stuff. And that kind of threw me off and I was like, oh, and he, he said, fuck a lot, man. He, he, he fucked some fucks up. You know what I'm saying? 
sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, and especially geared towards Vincent. All the time, cursing at him. Well, I mean, Vincent's pretty much an asshole for most of the movie. The only person I mean, isn't yeah, like verbally that's hostile he towards does is suck. Simon. And is like constantly threatening, but I don't know. I just felt like I think it was just like his delivery during some of those scenes, like especially juxtaposed to Daniel, which he seemed way fucking calmer about shit when he was upset. Especially in like the earlier scenes before they go into hell. But again, I mean, I didn't hate him i just like it i'm being a nitpicky hoe this is how score, I do score, it. score out of 10 go okay do it oh me yeah you do it uh, i would say i would give it like a 5.6 5.7 it's not for everybody um Wait, what was the scale? What did you say I have to get uh, to? It's your own scale. You can make up whatever okay. you want. All right. Yeah. It's not a film for, for everybody, but if you're like you're into practical effects, you're into some decent low budget horror, like yeah. this but, is but you would, you would recommend really it. good. I would recommend it for like people who are looking for that. But like Yeah. I don't know. Otherwise, it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's just not. I'm going to give it a 6.2. Okay. I enjoyed any, it. Any, that was uh, good. Okay. No, I just, uh, yeah, I, practical effects wise, I I think especially considering how low budget it was, it, it's a great movie for the budget they were working with. Um, oh, I, I, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to give it a 6.9 for the memes. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. I like it. You're wow. welcome. You're welcome, boys. <laughs> nice. 6.9, do you get it? <laughs> that's. I've sex. only ever 96. That's the sex number. <laughs> All right. Um, the one with your mouth. Matt, uh, how much more time do you have? Uh, actually, I think I'm about to head out. Thank you for this wonderful lovely guest appearance here. as always give it up for our guest matthew miller Get aka out. the mermaid thank you thank Get you out. thank you for watch joining us swim. today we watch me, me nay nay Get watch out. me swim swim watch me nay nay I'm, I'm a bitch. all right see ya Goodbye. good fucking riddance thank god oh, fucking loser dude <laughs> jesus christ uh it's just it's just the boys now the real ones there's yeah. abuses to the camera the government camera watching me from the wi-fi box nice 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 shit all right uh we were i think we we're gonna do hellraiser next right hellraiser 1987 <laughs> the original yeah i yeah this was i mean this is my first time seeing this Very i know in it's the same vein as the void i will say that yeah i am familiar like I've, obviously i've seen pinhead it's a very iconic character um oh, yeah so uh, pretty familiar with that um, so, uh, I, I, I was curious that was, I think that's part of the reason this was the first one I watched out of the three is I was kind of like, okay, I recognize pinhead. I've seen the like Halloween masks, seen pinhead in various 
you know, clips or media. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm curious about this one. I, I really want to like dig in. Yeah. And no, I liked it, especially, you know, it's, I think another, in the, in the vein of what we've been watching, a good classic 80s horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, good a combination practical. combination of good practical effects and cheesy yep. practical effects. Exactly. Like the, uh, <laughs> the hooks going into his skin that obviously is like, <laughs> it was yeah. so like goopy. It was like, this is like a putty scene, or something. A scene that was a little bit better than I thought it would have been with with that kind of stuff was the uh, mm-hmm. the nail dragging across the dad's hand yeah that looked good. that that had me wincing because that was very convincing yeah. um i i did watch this with casey she was like in the room she, i think she oh. was she was kind of like uh she would like tune out i think she was like reading a little bit so like she would like tune in every now and then like she was like kind of keeping up with it but i remember she like looked up during that scene and she was like oh like that one is like that one is bad. Yeah, because they like they build up to it too. It's like the shaking of the bed combined with like the the uh, Julia's memories of this uh, adulterous relationship. Frank. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I really wonder if you could find like some good resources on like why is sexuality so bound up in horror movies like why does it seem like it's such a pivotal like element of horror movies yeah i feel Um, like because it is uh i feel like it's used a lot as like okay it's very sinful especially you know uh, uh adulterers like they are they have something to hide there's something they're ashamed of and it can be leveraged against them in a way that could be like uh, I, but even if you go back to like reanimator right the first one mm-hmm. um i think the first scene you get with uh oh shoot what's his name not the reanimator but the guy whose house it is that he rents the room from uh oh. him and his girlfriend yeah. is is a sex scene mm-hmm. um I mean, we'll, we'll, we can talk about it more when we get to the lighthouse, but in the lighthouse, uh, there is no female character. No, it is, it is ingrained in that. Yeah, but like sexuality is a prime part of that. Yeah. Um, um, which I, I feel like that was a little different. I felt like if in the lighthouse, it wasn't as egregious almost. I think in a lot of these like 80s horror movies, I think it is... I think it can kind of it can kind of come back to the whole sex sells thing and the fact that like hey we're making this like very gory movie it's already gonna have an R rating or whatever I, th- I think so there we is can... an aspect of sex sells to it but I think there's mm-hmm. also something in there with like uh, it, it's like during carnal. the act of sex you're at your most vulnerable right like, yeah to have sex you have to be. I mean, you don't have to be fully nude, but like generally people are nude, you know, which is yeah. like you've got nothing protecting you. No, yeah, no, nothing I think, to protect you from like society or danger or anything. Yeah. else, right. No, like, I think I think it goes hand in hand. It is it is like, OK, you're at your most vulnerable. But on top of that, it is one of those carnal instinctual desires, along with like, you know, uh, defending what you're like. It, it, it almost kind of like I, I don't know. There's something about I think just like it being you go back in time ancestrally like we're gonna we're gonna 
fight. We want, we want and to fuck. be naked and kill people. Yeah, we want to fight. <laughs> we want to fight and fuck. Like that's. I think I think they they just go hand in hand, which is why I think it's yeah. thrown into a lot of these like horror. Oh, I don't horror think you mentioned movies. this, but uh, Hellraiser is directed by Clive Barker, who's like a godfather of horror cinema. Clive Barker. Yeah, we should have mentioned that with the introduction of the movie, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so plot of this one is basically that uh, family moves into like the family house or whatever. Um, the daughter doesn't live there, but her dad and stepmother do. They're they're a recently married couple. Um, her uncle. Because the daughter is like the main character, uh, Kirsty. Kirsty's the main character. Her uncle Frank was living there, and apparently uh, he was a sexual deviant uh, yes. who inadvertently opens a portal to hell when he tinkers with a box he bought while abroad. This is <laughs> the Google, the Google uh, plot read through. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's exactly how it starts out. Is we have Frank buying this box, opening it, and then proceeding to see hooks dragged into his skin, and him being pulled apart, and then being left with an empty room, um, which we find out later. Of I guess a fragment of him or something remained that was able to feed off of the blood of people. Yeah. I think there's some sort of like psychic echo of their death mm -hmm. and they're able to be like drawn back into this world from that. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that features pretty prominently in the second movie. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the second one. So yeah, I mean, I, I, enjoyed, I do plan to watch it. I enjoyed watching this one so much that I immediately watched the second one and was like, what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They uh I don't know. I feel like they Army of Darkness it without it being Army of Darkness, mm, you know. Without it being like intentional. Yeah. Like it's got uh, heavy like you know the David Bowie movie, Labyrinth? I I know of it. Alright, it's got it. like I don't know. They're like running through a maze for like half of the movie. Mm, fair. Uh yeah. A hell maze, one might say. No, um, I mean, there's it's pretty pretty straightforward movie. I mean, I think uh, a good majority of it is following around Julia as she uh, lures men to be feasted on by Frank to restore him to his former glory. Yeah. Um. Apparently, he can use their blood to reconstruct himself. Yes. Uh, it should also. We should also say that whenever the dad cut his hand while carrying the the bed up the stairs on a nail sticking out of the staircase, uh, he walked in there because that's where Julia was, and he bled all over the floor, and his blood brought Frank back to life. Yeah. Um, and that seems um, pretty cool. That like so, snotty, goopy body coming up out of the floorboards was. Oh well yeah, done. yeah, no, for sure. Tell me why I thought. Kirsty was Winona Ryder, but she's not actually Winona Ryder. Did you actually? Th are you memeing on what I said last week? I think you. I think you mentioned that, and then I saw her in there, and I was like, "That kind of looks like Winona Ryder." 
and it's not it's I'm pretty actually sure the first Lawrence. time i watched this i also i thought it was winona Ryder, and but that would have been like years and years ago yeah. and then watching it this time i was like that's not winona Ryder. Huh. but didn't it didn't it look like her it no 100 i i think i looked at her and i went oh yeah that is winona Ryder." and then casey looked at her and went oh yeah so like definitely yeah she passes as a, a she's young Winona Ryder. Like, she's all sweaty and her hair's in her face and stuff like that. She looks like Winona Ryder. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, she she very clearly becomes one of the protagonist. Yeah. Um, when she uh, she's getting involved with obviously... Well, her dad asks her mm -hmm to check in with Julia and to just talk to her and like see why she's been acting so weird recently. Yeah. Um, so Kirsty shows up at the house and Julia is bringing a strange man inside and then very suspiciously looks around before she closes the door. Yeah. Uh, so then Kirsty goes inside. Uh, Frank and Julia have already done their thing and uh, given the bad suck to the, the dude. Mm -hmm. Um, then uh uncle frank <laughs> uncle frank uh with his half corpse body uh hits on kirsty and attempts to yeah. uh, seduce her keep her there um but they get into a little bit of a tussle she steals the, the box. puzzle box yep. um runs off with it uh ends up in a hospital i think and then uh i get why she goes back oh because her dad she needs because while she's in the hospital she opens up the puzzle box and she summons the cenobites and this is where we get like our first real conversations with uh the cenobites who are like mm -hmm. pinhead and butterball and uh the the chitterer and uh or who are uh, in my opinion very well designed i feel yeah, like I they're all very cool yeah um i like the, i i like this they're just like yeah these other worldly beings that show up and are like uh you're, you're kind of like yeah they're they're here to fuck you up it's kind of funny um all of the male ones have names and then this is just on Google, so I don't know what her name would actually be. But for the girl one, it just says female Cenobite. <laughs> Damn. Didn't even give her a name. That's fucked up, dude. Yeah. That's fucked up. Um, yeah, I, I like their designs. I, I thought it was cool, especially like the speech where they're just like, yeah. They describe them as like demons or angels. Like it's yeah, not, uh, it, it, you know. They're, when they're, he's doing that talk, do you notice he kind of has an accent? He sounds a little bit like, uh, break that German filmmaker guy. You know who I'm talking about? Nope. Oh, it's Werner Herzog. He's got like a little bit of a Herzog kind of thing going. Mm -hmm. So he's like, demons to some, uh, angels to others. Yeah. He's got like a little bit of that like German in there. Yeah. I wonder if he was going for that. Or if just like the character. I don't know. 
other people probably say they don't hear much of an inflection like that. But. No. Love, love the character. I love all those characters, but I mean, she, you know, she strikes a deal with the Cenobites to basically say like, hey, you left Frank, like Frank's still alive. Like Frank's, <clears throat> you didn't finish the job. And they're kind of like, no, we always finish the job. She's like, okay, well, I'll prove it to you. And if I do, take him instead of me. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we'll take him but we got to hear his confession and then we'll yeah. consider whether or not we take you as well. Yeah. And it's like, of course they're going to be like, yeah, we're taking you too. <laughs> yeah. Which sure enough happens after she heads back, you have the whole, the whole climactic scene, uh, where Frank has Frank and, uh, Julia have now killed Larry and Frank has donned Larry's skin and face. Wearing Larry's skin. Um, they try to trick Kirsty. She she figures it out, and then well, she figures it out because he hits her with that classic line, "Come to daddy." Yeah, yeah. Come, Come to, to daddy. daddy. Yeah. When um, she's running away the first time, and his his skeleton face is like, "Come to daddy." Yeah. <laughs> I was like. This movie knew exactly what it was going for. Yeah. Everyone's, but no, there's wearing, a... everyone's wearing like <laughs> leather and you've yeah, got like yeah. the one female Cenobite has her like neck opened up so it looks like a weird vagina wound in her neck. And this is like, this is a movie. This is a whole deviant movie. It really Just is. Deviancy. Yeah. If, um, okay, if you look at like a modern movie, right? Like uh, Midsommar and you're like, what is the movie actually about? You'd be like, oh, it's about uh, depression and like how you... Uh, overcome depression or something some nonsense like that mm -hmm. uh, if you looked at this movie and you were like what is the movie really about it's the dangers of BDSM <laughs> <laughs> no, really. sexual deviancy yeah um, you're making a deal to sell your soul if you put the leather on have you ever done that you ever worn the leather sorry I had to, I had to mute, mute my mic to cough um, all the time what the fuck, dude? No. What a little never, you are. Never done it. Um, <laughs> what a bad yeah. little boy. <laughs> Come to daddy. God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they do a little game of cat and mouse. And then eventually uh, he corners her in the room where she had previously, just previously seen all the Cenobites and Larry's body, which they, they believed was just Frank dead. Um, yeah, she, she manages to get him back in there and they go, Ooh, it's Frank. And they do like the whole, the same thing to him. They, Frankie boy. And they, hook, the... they hook him up and they split him apart. Oh yeah. But first you get that iconic scene of him, like looking at Kirsty and he's all stretched out by the hooks and he goes, Jesus wept. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that fucking, fucking line. Ripped. He gets ripped, dude. Jesus. He gets wet. fucking shredded, my guy. Yeah. Yep. And then the uh, the Cenobites try to take her, at which point she magically, miraculously figures out that the puzzle box can be used to, like, banish them. Yeah. And she's just going around bopping them with the puzzle box. Mm-hmm. She gets saved by Steve. Wait, uh, Steve? I mean... 
I don't even necessarily say she gets saved by Steve. It's like Steve shows up and they leave together. Yeah. She's still doing most of the saving. When when the weird two-headed one comes running in through the door, Mm -hmm. she's the one that gets the box and then like sends that one back too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he really does pretty much just show up and he's like, let's get out of here. Yeah. No, the they, best thing they, he does is in his in his character's uh, introduction, he does that cool cigarette trick. Oh yeah, yeah, where like he just flicks it back into his mouth. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty much yeah. That was pretty much his entire character. Other like, than other than at the very end where they're together, they throw the box in the fire and then watch the hobo who's eating crickets <laughs> at the pet store walk up, grab it, and turn into a fucking skeleton pterodactyl. Fucking pieces out. Yep. What a what a we don't know what to do here kind of moment. That oh is. yeah. <laughs> I, I watched that go down and I was like, they they just went for it. They were just Bro. like, whatever. And then they start the second movie, right? And it picks up basically right where the first one left off. And you're like, well, what the fuck are they gonna do? Because the box got taken off by the skeleton pterodactyl thing that they didn't mention whatsoever in the. Uh, <laughs> in the recap of the first movie don't need it there's like four more boxes brother fair um yeah I really enjoyed this movie it, it felt very classic 80s horror yeah it feels well crafted yeah um 7.7 7. I will give it it was 7.5. Nice, nice. I think it's like right there in the middle of good. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. Solid. Very if solid. You're like, movie. let's watch a horror movie. What do you want to watch? I. It probably wouldn't be one of the first ones I think of. Nah, definitely not. But still solid. Yeah. Like, I just. I think that some other things we've watched have like more heart or they're like better made. Yeah. Or like they're they're more made for like a modern standard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um not for a modern audience, but for like a more modern standard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um we'll get to uh, that. Um let's jump thirty-two years into the future. To the lighthouse? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. The lighthouse. So we jump 32 years into the future to 2019's The Lighthouse, which takes us back uh, in time and some odd years. Yeah. What what year is it supposed to take place? I think like 80s. 1890s. 1890s? Yeah, it says it right here. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote, mysterious New England island in the, ni- in the 1890s. Yeah. So yeah, that's like, what? Yeah, 90 years. 90 years before what was going on in Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. So was this your first time watching this? It was, yes. I I had heard about it. I think you even recommended it to me before because I think I'm honestly surprised we didn't watch it together because when I first bought it on Amazon, I I made everyone who came over watch it. I, I think at the time... You're probably living out of state or something. What was I doing in 2019? No, I was. Oh, I I never saw my friends. I was in a, <laughs> I was in a relationship where, 
I wasn't allowed to see any of my friends. I was chained to the radiator by my ex-girlfriend. Basically, yeah. We were both wearing leather. Shit. I had pins in my head. Call me <laughs> Pinhead. <laughs> but yeah, that that is yeah, that's that's around that time. So uh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is my first time watching it. Yeah, when I saw the trailer for this, I was mega excited for it. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually really disappointed that I didn't get to see it in theaters because this dude, I can only imagine what seeing this in like IMAX with a really yeah. good sound system. Unfortunately, I don't believe it's on the card for the A24 re-releases this month, which I think is wrapping up. What were they doing? I don't know if you knew that. A24 has been doing uh, theatrical re-releases for this month. Do you know? Which I think the only one I was really keen on seeing, I think out of the four they were doing, because they were doing like basically one a week. Mm -hmm. Um, The only one um, was, I think, Midsummer, which is coming out next week. I gotta admit, I didn't really care for Midsummer when I saw it. Fair. Um, I've never seen it, so I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I mean, it's interesting, but it just didn't, I don't know, grab me. Like, it seemed to grab a lot of other people. Yeah. Uh, But that doesn't matter, because we're talking about The Lighthouse, which is made by uh, Robert Eager's brother. Yes. Sorry. Made by Robert Eagers. Possibly written by his brother. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> um, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Robert and Max both wrote it. Yes. Robert Eagers directed it. Yeah. Amazon told me today, originally this was supposed to be a ghost story. When they first conceived of it uh, in like 2012, when they first started writing the script. Mm-hmm. I think when Max first started writing the script, it said mm-hmm. um, he wanted to write a like a ghost story that takes place in a lighthouse. <laughs> but then they heard about these two Welsh uh, lighthouse keepers and like some tragedy or something, and they turned it into a period piece. Yeah, um, which I think is for the best because I think it, it worked really well. Yeah, um, dude, I I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, do you want to know my favorite thing about this entire movie? The dialogue? I mean, a lot of it. The dialogue is amazing. I think actually my favorite thing, and I don't know why I love this so much, is just the foghorn. Yeah. That foghorn in the background, which I, you talking about like seeing it in IMAX or like seeing it with like the sound, like I, I could just imagine that foghorn sound just oh, sounding yeah. every now and then it's just so ominous and it really i think sets the like atmosphere and sets like the the mood of this um movie but no i i thought this was fantastic all around the mm-hmm. dialogue's amazing the acting both willem dafoe and robert pattinson i think this is some of their best acting yeah well in a lot of interviews i think pattinson in particular was like, yeah, there wasn't much acting because like he's just doing things for most of the movie, right? Yeah. And you can't really act if you're doing something. You're just doing the thing. Yeah. And uh, so when he's like hauling 
you know, wheelbarrows full of, uh, wheelbarrows full of like coal. (laughs) He's literally having to do that in this like cold, windy, rainy. Yeah. I heard, I heard the weather was just like that. The weather in there, like, that's not like, I don't think that it was like a lot of effects. Like I think I'm pretty sure like I read that the weather was just really bad there. Yeah. Um, I believe I read too, um, that, uh, like Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe didn't really get to hang out a lot, like on set. Um, actually Willem Dafoe, like during filming lived in like, like just like a the fish house right there on the Island. Yeah. And Robert Pattinson would, was staying in a hotel with the film crew. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, they were also talking about, like, basically, like, Robert Pattinson, like, got to do all this, like, socializing with the crew, like, offset, and, like, got his social interaction that way, whereas Willem Dafoe was, like, basically just, like, secluded, living in this fish house. And then he would actually, like, get his social interaction with the crew when they were there on set. It's so, like, it was kind of like they would flip flop. Um, I think to, to help them get in character or whatnot, do whatever they're doing. So we should also talk to, um, about the way it's shot, right? So it's shot in black and white with a nearly square, uh, 1.19 to one aspect ratio. Yeah. So the first time that like me and Jake, right? Jake's a friend of ours. The first time we were watching this, Jake was like, is this whole thing going to be square? And I went, yeah, just watch. <laughs> yes, just watch. <laughs> um, and there, like, there is a moment when you're watching it when you stop noticing. Because the cinematography is mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I quickly, like, I noticed that at first, and it, it very quickly kind of f- faded on me just because of how well it's shot and the acting and just, like, everything going on. Yeah. It was kind of just, like, I noticed it being like, okay, the aspect ratio on this is old school, like, it's shot in black and white, and then it just kind of faded from my mind. It's, like, it's not until you, like, until we're, like, talking about it right now that I really even remember it. Yeah. Um, um, well, I think it... Part of seeing that in the introduction of the film, it kind of sets you up for what the movie's gonna be, right? Like, it usurps your expectations of like what a horror movie is, and it puts you on an uneven footing from the very beginning. And then you also get that long foghorn, yeah. and you hear it throughout the entire movie. I um, I want that. Like, I just want that to be, like, my ringtone or my alarm clock now. I love... I don't know what it is about that sound. I just loved that sound. Yeah. Well, you know, if they still need lighthouse keepers, you and me could probably go do a song. I, I was I was literally about to say... I, I, well, I was watching this movie, and I went, you know what? Andrew and I should just go get jobs as wikis, as he was calling them. It's funny, because uh, if we did that, absolutely we'd end up at the point where they are at the end of the movie oh my god yeah i hate your thoughts <laughs> i hate your goddamn thoughts <laughs> oh my god yeah his his like rant at the end it Dude, was so like, good at the end of the movie where they are totally fucking losing it on each other and he's like you stink like piss and jism <laughs> <laughs> jism yeah 
Good God, man. No, I mean... And they sell it, too. Yeah, no. That, it goes back to the acting. Uh, just all around really good. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like I don't even want to really go through the plot because... Uh, yeah. It's just... I don't know. It, it, I I think it it's it, it you don't even really need to go through it because it, it's so simple and yet so like deep and complex when you look at it. It's not something you could I, I feel like you can really explain or talk about. It's like you have to just watch the movie yeah. to really like experience what they're going through. Or, like with, like this that. descent. It needs to be experienced. It's mm. uh it's not like the kind of story that uh, is just like plot points. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I am kind of did, disappointed this movie didn't do better in box office because no, uh, I, I budget of eleven million, box office eighteen point three million. Um, yeah. Like I think I said, it deserved more. I really more. wished I could have seen it in theaters because yeah I really, hopefully really hopefully they'll do a re-release sometime like they're doing with the the horror movies this this month um the only thing i really have to say about it or point out is uh that 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 mermaid gushy my guy <laughs> robert pattinson was all up in there he said well, let me get some of that extra fishy it's <laughs> yeah yeah fish sauce on the side baby he want that raw sushi I'm like he had he had his little you know he had his little 1890s playboy there with the little the little mermaid figure yeah that was his it's fat material fine stuffed into the his bedding yeah yeah um yeah so I mean in general I'll just do like a top-down sort of plot line here. Um, mm -hmm. Two lighthouse keepers show up on an island that has a lighthouse. Yep. Uh, they're supposed to stay there for, I think, six weeks. Yeah. Storm hits. They end up having to stay there much longer than they were supposed to. Uh, both characters seemingly go insane. Yeah. Well, it's very clear... I think part of it too is um, Robert Pattinson's character, who we're introduced to as Ephraim um, Winslow. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like the lackey, whereas uh, Willem Dafoe's character, Thomas Wake, is like the one in charge. So he's kind of like the chore boy doing all the chores and like the backbreaking work. And Thomas Wake here has the keys to the lantern. And I think that becomes a big point. Well, there's supposed to be the end like there. an even distribution of the work, but... Yeah, but clearly not. Uh, Winslow, because he's younger, is mm -hmm. getting a lot more of the work. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Lantern comes into play, I feel like, more so towards the end, where Winslow really... He wants to experience it, he wants to go up there, and it's something that uh, Thomas Wake is, like, protective it's a of. Force. It's and there's that like dramatic irony, right? Because the whole point of a lighthouse is here's the lighthouse. Don't come near it. You know, like yeah. danger is here. Yep. Um, and yet you have these two men that are sent there 
they take jobs, they want to go there, uh, and both of them are drawn to the lighthouse mm-hmm. inexplicably. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to like tie this into the Lovecraftian theme, you have these themes of uh, madness, of degradation of self, of uh, hidden truths revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because like you can pretty easily compare this to The Witch, right? Which is another one of uh, Eager's films. Mm-hmm. And the ending's basically the same. Uh, both... I, I haven't seen The Witch. That was one that they did re- they did re-release this month uh, in theaters, which yeah. I think I, I meant to try to get around to seeing, but so I, I, I will watch it at some point. I mean, if you want to watch it for next week, we can throw it on the list. I don't know what we had in line for next week. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Our, our, final, our final week of October, our final week of horror... Yeah. Um. Maybe. What? Oh, you know what? I wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down three. Just like. Okay, I guess two kind of bum movies, and then like a return to uh, Bruce Campbell. Ah. Uh, um, well, we can I we saw... can get into those. We can get into those after. Yeah. Okay. When we're, so when we're planning this. Um. Final thoughts on the lighthouse. Uh. Yeah. Insanely good. Um. Yeah. No, especially when it gets there towards the end. The acting, again, when they start really losing it, and it's like they have fully descended into madness. I think not just like Robert Pattinson's entire... It's a combination of like Robert Pattinson absolutely losing it and going on that tirade against Will- Willem Dafoe's character, and then uh, proceeding to drag him outside like a dog, bury him alive in a hole while Willem Dafoe's just going on an entire monologue... Um, and then, yeah, proceeding to go up into the lighthouse to stare into the lamp and just maniacally laughing and the way that they distort the sound. I mean, just, I think from beginning to end, it was a great, I want to say a slow burn, but I didn't even feel, it's kind of a good explanation for it because it is. It is like this descent, this slow descent into madness. Um, but you get like, it, it's not exactly a slow burn because you get good inklings of like, they're they're starting to break. They're starting to crack very clearly. But then they kind of like snap back and go back into like some normalcy for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the character work in this movie overall is phenomenal from start to finish. Because mm-hmm. they start off with like walls up, and by the end of it, they're they know each other like intimately, right? right? Yeah. Always, except sexually, basically. Um, yeah. I mean, they're I mean they're confessing things to each other. Yeah, I I think this quote right here that I'm reading is actually pretty good. Uh, this is from Defoe uh, talking about. Um, so this is just off of like Wikipedia here. Sexual fantasy and masturbation are also recurring themes in the film. For Defoe, the androphilia in the film is blatant, but is also used to explore what it means to be a man. Uh, here's a quote. They have a sense of guilt of wrong. It's got existential roots about masculinity and domination and submission. Um, and that come that is in the entire story, right? Is like the two of them like pushing and pulling at each other. 
Um, yeah. Like, ah, dude, this movie is just like a phenomenal piece of work. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I'm going to be honest. I know it's not for everyone, but for me personally, this is like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I don't know if I'd give it a 10 out of 10, but I'm up there. I'd say a 9. Like a 9. I'll go 9.9. Does that make you feel better? Does that make you feel better, you tiny little (laughs) boy? Bark like a dog for me. Bark like a dog. Woof. Uh, I'll go 9.6. Come to daddy. Yeah, 9.6. It was, it was very good. Um, ah, a reversal of the sex number. I was going to say, I, I did that for you. For the memes. For the memes. So, yeah. But right, I think, so, yeah, that wraps up our movies. Yeah, we filled the void. We raised hell. And we, uh, we were keys at a lighthouse. Yeah. Um, Matt's gone. So we can talk about uh, the news, or I can run you through the possible movies for next week. Um, yeah, well, let's let's hit the news, and then we can discuss some movies at the end. All right, so we only got three real pieces of news here, possibly only two, if uh, we don't consider one of them news. Um, so yeah, the only well, real I also have, have I also have my other one that I came up with when we started recording. All right, well, I'll just uh, run us through uh, some of this stuff real quick. There's been a lot of, like, Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast news. Uh, A really big piece was that they're dropping Penguin Random House as the publisher slash distributor of the uh, Dungeons & Dragons handbooks and all the books. All the books. So as of January, they will no longer be uh, working together. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I don't. Did it say? Are they? Do they have someone new, or are they just going to their other existing? Because I, I know you said they work with other yeah, I'm publishers. Be honest, I haven't followed up with the story in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I'm curious if they're going to find someone completely new, or if they're going to go and like, uh, you know, source the work to a different um, publisher they already work with. So the rumor I heard was that oh, this is kind of interesting timing, right? Because whenever all of the uh, open gaming license stuff was going on, that stuff was supposed to start taking place in January as well. So uh, now that we have this news, it's like, oh, they were going to be dropping their publisher and doing all this other shit all at once. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are thinking that they are trying to get people completely off of paper books and uh, onto that digital. Checks out. Yeah. So that they get <sighs> as many people as possible onto their virtual tabletop or D&D Beyond or all of these subscription services so that they Lame. can get recurring money from them, right? Lame. And you have that very famous quote from the head of uh, one of the like chairmen or something like that for Wizards. I forget what her name is, but she said Dungeons & Dragons is like egregiously under-monetized, right? Yeah. Um, so everyone is trying to go to this like stupid mobile phone game model where it's like oh yeah uh you can either like pay for certain things and you get it like a little bit to get you so far or you get the subscription service and that'll get you a lot more and also if you're subscribed you can buy these other things 
And it's like, I'm so sick of this, man. I'm so sick of everyone's trying to take every fucking dollar out of your pocket. Yeah. Hey. Nah. I'll I'll just I'll just stick with uh fifth edition forever. Yeah, or I mean better yet, move completely off of like Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast products, yeah. right? Well, uh, they yeah, they are they're overcome by the greed monster. I mean, like I know that Games Workshop has had their controversies in the past, but go play freaking Warhammer Fantasy role playing editions. They have it licensed out to Cubicle Seven. Cubicle Seven makes some really good games. They're a little company out of like Ireland. Uh, from everything that I've seen, they seem really cool about stuff. Um, yeah. I haven't heard of any controversies with Cubicle 7, apart from, like, every once in a while, the first edition of a book will have a lot of typos in it, right? Yeah. But that's, like, a really small company doing in-house work. Yeah. Um, and they're really cool, too, because if you buy directly from them off of their site, uh, if you buy a book, you'll also get the digital copy of it. Or yeah. you can go buy, like, a, a discount version of the digital copy off of, uh, I believe it's role-playing games drive through like RPG drive through uh, And they have a bunch of free shit out for most of their systems. So if you buy their stuff, a lot of times there's free adventures and things. Um, on top of you being able to just homebrew stuff, you know, if you're yeah. a cool gamer like me. <laughs> yeah. Basically, just stop giving wizards and Hasbro your money. Speaking yeah. of which, which brings us to the MTG booster box boxy news. <laughs> They're doing away with set and draft boosters, and it's just going to be play boosters now. Yeah, and <clears throat> the rumor is they're going to be increasing the price of these packs, and they're going to be reducing the number of cards in the pack and to, to offset the the card price per pack or card value per pack there's a potential for you to get like more rares yeah it's like up to up to up to four rares and or mythics in a pack yeah so like the cards then in the old days would be like guaranteed uh uncommons and rares uh yeah. Like uncommons in a rare or mythic would yeah. is now like those cards, there's a potential for them your uncommons yeah. to also be Yeah, they have like wild card slots now where you yeah. could get like a card of any rarity and all this uh, just go back to the day of fifteen card booster packs where you get three uncommons and one rare or mythic as well as a foil that could be any any rarity. It's like uh, the days were so simpler, so much simpler back then. And they just continue to grab at the money and just complicate things for no reason. Yeah. I mean, the most egregious thing to me is just that, like, they're they're dropping from 15 to 14 cards per pack and, and they're increasing the price. The price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, like, yeah, your pack might have an extra rare. I, as a consumer, have no way of knowing what, like, what my increased odds of, like, getting higher value yeah. cards are. Well, and that's what I was going to say, is, like, they're really just leaning it on, hey, you're gambling. You're literally gambling. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're are... buying a pack of fucking cards, you're basically just buying a fucking scratch off. Yeah. And, like, yeah. to a degree, it was always that way, but now it feels, like, it feels worse. Yeah. It feels like you're buying a loot box in a video game. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you know you're probably gonna get mostly trash. 
Yeah. And like every fifth or tenth one that you get, you'll actually get something that you were hoping for. Yeah. But it won't be like the one thing you were hoping for. It'll be like a thing you that you had seen and gone like, oh, I guess it'd be pretty cool to try something with that. Yeah. Well, it's like the other thing is like, yeah, maybe you're getting more rares and mythics, but the majority of rares and mythics in the newer sets aren't worth shit. No. So it's like you're raising the price for us to just continue to. Yeah, I remember that started like way back though. Like around the time I got out of magic the first time, I was like, dude, they're putting out so many like legendary creatures and things that are like rares and like, yeah. they don't synergize well with a lot of decks and they they're like underpowered for their cost and you're telling me this is like a rare or something? Like you can't do anything with this. And so you'd see these cards that were rares that were worth like seventy five cents and you're like, Yeah, oh, I yeah. want that. That's, like, that's still exactly how it is. So. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what was our third piece uh, of news? <clears throat> so, third piece of news is just that um, South Park has a special coming out called uh, yeah. Joining the Panderverse. <laughs> uh, wherein the main cast, the four boys, are going to be replaced by uh, strong women of color. Yeah. It's... Uh... They have like a 40 second teaser teaser trailer out they might have a real trailer out now i don't know but um or by the time this is up who knows uh just watching the trailer i was laughing because they hit so many of the talking points that i feel like a lot of people have hit with with i don't know like modern movies right now yeah no yeah it's like it's like they just hired uh it's almost like they they went ahead and hired the Disney writers to to write this episode. Um, yeah, I actually I have not like been excited to watch a, a South Park thing in a long time, mm-hmm. and the trailer for this one hundred percent has me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be curious to see. See what's for up instance, with it. just for anyone interested, Cartman's being played by a, a black woman. Yeah. Which feels appropriate to me. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm really curious to see what they do with this. Yeah, I just because a lot of time, you know, they hit it on the nose, and I think that they're gonna fucking knock this out of the park just because they have such. Yeah, they're gonna knock it, knock it out of the South Park. Such a trove of. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it. I heard you pun. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just like a target-rich environment, you know? So I think there's a lot of things they can knock down. Yeah. Thanks. Um, right. I, I have my final thing. Oh. Um, which I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube today while at work. Um, oh yeah, you said the new thing destroying the kids, the next generation or something? Yeah, so I wasn't aware people were doing this. Apparently it's not just kids. And apparently this this did start a while ago, but uh, obviously there's, or I guess it wasn't even that long ago. It definitely picked up during the pandemic, and apparently there were like TikTok challenges and shit for it. So, and I I went through this whole iceberg video that got deeper and deeper into the lore and like what the fuck was going on with this. There's like a whole community online community around it. Were you aware that people will take Benadryl, like mass amounts of Benadryl, to like tr- like trip out? Or like, uh, effectively, they're trying to enter the shadow realm or see the Hat Man. 
And it's become like, there's like literally like TikTok challenges around it. There's like online communities where people like talk about this. There's like Reddits and shit. Um, and it's actually like, it's actually like really dangerous. I had no idea this was a thing that was, because apparently know that it was like a modern thing, but I, I know in the past people would do that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah so apparently the active, like one of the active ingredients is uh, known as DPH or um, diphenhydramine. In Benadryl, and it's a uh, which this is what kind of got me on it is when we were talking about the void, um, or like just generally talking about like uh, Lovecraftian horror. Um, uh, diphenhydramine is a um, uh, what do they call it? A uh, not a dissociative, a um, hallucinogenic. Uh, it's like another um, God. What is the term I'm trying to think of? Um, delir uh, a deliriant, so it makes you delirious. Oh. Um, and it can actually have long-lasting and permanent effects. So you can have like permanent, basically, be put into like a permanent state of of uh, of like a trip, or like uh, it can it can activate if you have underlying issues, like or, or you know uh, a family history of schizophrenia. Like it can you can have schizophrenic breaks. Um, so you said it was DPH. DPH. Yeah, so Wikipedia, here we are again, mm -hmm. uh, says it's an antihistamine and sedative mainly used to treat allergies, insomnia, and symptoms of the common cold, uh, less commonly used for tremors and Parkinsonism and nausea. Uh, ba -ba -ba. Common side effects include sleepiness, poor coordination, and upset stomach. It's also a potent anticholinergic, which means it also works as a deliriant at much higher than recommended doses as a yeah. result. Yeah, so like these people are taking like an insane amount. Um, because like your typical, I think your typical dose of Benadryl is I don't, like 25 milligrams or something. And there's actually like an entire online community known as the 700 Club where you're like, you're taking like 700 milligrams at a time to induce this state of like delirium um where you begin to have visions and see things you see shadow people you see the hat man like spiders and um apparently it's like all very dark it's like not it wouldn't be described as like something positive or good for whatever reason people get hooked on doing this and like having these visions and seeing these things oh, um apparently uh there have been at least two deaths attributed to this TikTok challenge. Yeah, there, so the TikTok challenge has been a bunch of them. The online community, there's even more um, deaths that have been attributed to it. Uh, particularly, there's... I think there was one guy who was very heavily involved in one of the groups who was... He was accused of grooming underaged teens in these communities, and then he got put in prison. I think he, like... He was like bailed out on probation or something and then got busted again on in these communities for like talking about the fact that he was abusing these drugs, which you're not allowed to do when on probation. And then he, he effectively took a like I think he took like something like two hundred something Benadryls at a time and overdosed. Um so yeah, it's just like the, and the people gene pool rejoiced. Yeah. These people are just uh, taking insane 
insane amounts of this and upping the dosage every time to try to like see these things or communicate with the Hatman. There's an entire lore around it where like people who have done these have said like the Hatman has talked to them about this shadow realm called um, starts with an E. There's like a name for it that he coined, saying the Hatman told him this. And, like, he runs this online community where they view the Hatman as, like, a deity, where, like, they essentially, like, worship him. Um, yeah, it's really dark, crazy stuff. I had no idea this was a thing, and then I went down this rabbit yeah, hole today. The psychic awakening has come, and this is the nonsense we made with it. That's, yeah. Um, a Hatman demon. <laughs> the Hatman. The Hatman. Instead of the God Emperor. Yeah. I, I'm really... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just like... It's insane to me. But yeah, I had no idea. Like, I, I didn't even know it was a thing. And then, yeah, they were talking about like the TikTok challenge. And, like, I don't know. Part of me just says there's always some taboo like teenager shit going on. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Around the time we were in high school, it was probably like Slenderman type shit and people like going in the woods and doing stupid shit. And then a little yeah. bit later, it was like eating Tide Pods. And uh, well, I don't, I don't a even know if you later. It was like uh, stealing Kias. Don't don't you remember in in middle school we had like some kids in like a grade or two above us that were like huffing computer cleaner and one of them like passed out and had to have the ambulance called. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it really is. It really is Darwinism at its finest. Like, I don't know. People just doing dumb shit, chasing a high. The first but class me and you ever had together was a computer art. class. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was the computer class. It was technically Mr. it was computer Mr. class, but you sat like halfway up the class from me. Yeah, and we were all just like we were all playing RuneScape and that shit. Anyways, everyone was playing RuneScape. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Mister Haka, uh, you know he, you know that dude went missing, wow, right? Way to dox him. Uh, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah, he went missing for a while, and they finally found his car in like a retention pond. He had like driven off the road and died. Probably had a heart attack. I think so. Something like that. I can't remember, but I, I remember him like also teached. I don't know if you uh, are taught. Uh, yeah. I had his, ever I went to a different school. Uh, I had his wife for um, home economics. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he went missing in 2020. He, he disappeared on October 25th, 2020. They what didn't the find dude. My dog was born on October 25th. Of 2021? Yeah, yeah, she'll be two this year. But yeah, he they didn't find him until April of this year. That's wild. Yeah. Two years in a retention pond. Three? Uh, or no, I guess, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half or so. Two and a half years in a retention pond. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Do you think it was Bigfoot? Do you think it was a swamp ape? Oh, wait. Did you see the people that claim they saw Bigfoot? They were, like, on a train or something? Oh, my God. They, like, God, posted stop. a video. They had a video. We'll save that for next week. Or never. Sorry, Shelby was talking to me? What do you want? No, nothing, nothing. Uh, what, what movies are we watching next week? All right. So, uh, we can find real ones, or we can watch... I'm pretty sure I pulled these all off of uh, like Amazon or maybe Peacock. I can't remember. So the first one was a movie called Necrotronic. N-E-K-R-O-T-R-O-N-I-C. 
Oh god. It looked bad. <laughs> <laughs> the next one was one called Blood Vessel. It looked like Nazis on a boat. Probably zombies, I would think. And the last one was Bruce Campbell. It's Bubba Hotep. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Mm. He plays Elvis. Or I we mean, can, yeah. Or we can watch like real ones, like I don't know, The Witch or something. <laughs> Twiddles fingers nervously. What? Oh, why, why do you? Whatever you, you want to do. Um. We can watch three bad ones and just rip them. Or we let's can see, yeah. try to find good ones. Nah, fuck it. Let's do that. Let's watch the ones you have on the list. All right. I'm down. So next one, well, Necrotronic, Blood Vessel, and Bubba Hotep. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, final piece of news. Dark Tide got an update at the beginning of October 2023, and it's really good. You should play it. I enjoy it. Also, Hunt Showdown has an event going on. It's very good. There's lots of fire. <laughs> you should play it. Yes. All right. That's all the gaming news. All right. Um, uh, as always, music by Carl Casey at Lightbat Audio. Give him a follow. Give him a listen. Listen to him and follow him out. Also, follow us at Bad Pipes Pod on Twitter slash X. Subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Bad Pipes Podcast. I think that's the first time I've ever said it right the first time. Nice. I did it. Um, and to our one listener in Berlin, we love you. Good night. Goodbye.